Well, good morning, everybody. Made it. Um, we'll be looking at uh, Philippians chapter 2 this morning, uh, verses 1 to 11. But we had the high of last week, didn't we? To live is Christ, to die is gain. But the passage continued to say, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. How's your week been? Have you conducted yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel? And um, just to remind you again, the backdrop to this letter is that Paul is in prison. And he can do nothing there, so we think. But yet the rumour mill has reached him, the gossip train, that all is not well with his church in his beloved Philippi. And that's amazing. It got, it's got from Philippi to Rome, through all of the guards, and into Philip in prison to remind him that his church that he loves isn't quite right. And as I say, what can Paul do? Paul is in chains, he's in prison. So the only thing he can do is write, write a letter and pray and leave it in God's hands. And I wonder how often do we try and fix the problems in life rather than just leaving them in God's hands? Because ultimately God can sometimes only solve the problems that face us in life. And last week we couldn't have missed the royal wedding. It was there everywhere. But on one of the um, BBC adverts leading up to the wedding, it said that um, Meghan wasn't marrying Harry alone. She was marrying the whole of the royal family. And when we become Christians, when we're united with Christ, we don't just get Jesus on our own. We have the joy of being united to God's global family with all of its quirks. And I guess many of us ultimately here this morning would have been hurt by life. And I guess many of us would have been hurt by church life as well. At some point in our lives. For those we expected more from. And maybe we should take a moment just to be quiet before God and release some of those thoughts that may be playing on our minds. Forgive those that may have caused us hurt in the past and let go of the things of this week that may have caused us issues. So let's spend a moment quietly before God just releasing them into his hands. Philippians chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, 
but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, and that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Today's sermon is going to be a match of two halves. Yes, the World Cup is coming, and I won't labour the point too much, but verses 1 to 8 in this passage speaks about who we are, and verses 9 to 11 speak about who we truly are. And I guess, what would make your joy complete as Paul's? Would it be England winning the World Cup? For some, it would be. But we find Paul in jail not concerned with his own needs, but concerned for his church at Philippi. And Paul highlights a few attributes, a few ways of, new ways of thinking and being that we should, that should help bring them together in unity and in peace. Unity is a very key theme running through Paul's letters. And God reminds us how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. God calls us all to live in unity, in love with one another. But Paul highlights some ifs in this passage that we need to perhaps think about. If any encouragement from being with Christ, if any comfort in his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. These are the things that came to mind to Paul to make his joy complete, concern for others that went beyond his own needs. If we are to live for Christ today and this week, then we need to address some of these ifs. It says, if any encouragement from being united with Christ. And I think Paul partly is saying, wake up. Don't you realise that you're united with Christ? As Jesus explained the gospel to those on the road to Emmaus and said, don't be so dull. Don't you know who I am? Paul is reminding them that we are, they are united with Christ but we were united with Christ in mind, heart, spirit, and soul. We're also united with Christ in his humility. And as importantly, we're united with Christ in his majesty, who we are and who we really are. Jesus knows all there is to know about each one of us, but yet loves us still beyond our understanding. We don't have this relationship with God like a, like a CEO that sends us off to do tasks. No, in 2 Corinthians 6, it reminds us that we are God's fellow workers. We work alongside God. We have equal status as we do God's will on earth. 
And John 17, 21 reminds us of the importance of unity with Jesus. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved me even as you have loved me. If we're united with Christ, then we receive the same love, the same compassion, the same glory as God gave to Jesus, his only son. So if we're united with Christ, how well do we know this Jesus that each of us are united to? Do we believe that Jesus is fully human and fully God? In order to grasp this passage, I think we need to understand who Jesus really is, who he was, this man that walked the earth. Jesus was fully human. Jesus feels all of our emotions, all of our pain, all of our joy. You may have come here this morning full of anger, full of frustration, or full of joy, or somewhere in between, but that's okay because we come to God just as we are. And uh, Brennan Manning quotes, Jesus is a man in a way that we have forgotten men can be. Truthful, blunt, emotional, non-manipulative, sensitive and compassionate. Look back through the Gospels and you can see Jesus sharing many of these attributes. Jesus was a man of sorrows but he had a sense of humour. Jesus was the Prince of Peace, but he could work himself up into a righteous anger. You only have to flick back to John's Gospel, and when he entered the temple, turned over the tables, money was scattered everywhere, birds and animals were scattered all over the place. It was a full-on stampede, and Jesus was angry. This wonderful counsellor could be really downright ironic but he was also full of love and compassion. He wept at Jesus, at Lazarus' tomb. And, the, and in God's word it says he was deeply moved in spirit. And that deeply moved in spirit means that he was snorted with anger as, as when, you, when you read around it. He, was, he hated death. And so he told them to roll back the stone and let Lazarus go, bring him to life. But he wept. He understood the pain of death. But he also understood the emotions of sheer loneliness in the Garden of Gethsemane, when all he wanted was his closest friends to be there, to stay awake, to pray with him. But they didn't. They turned away and fell asleep. And sometimes life got so bad for Jesus that he just had to check out early in the morning, check out of life, and spend his time with his father to collect his thoughts and collapse into his loving arms. Where do we go when life gets tough? Who do we turn to? Where do we go to alleviate some of our pain? Who do we draw strength from? Do we grow in Christ and grow in God's word? 
or do we grumble and gossip when problems face us? And the encouragement from being united with Christ Jesus is that he lives in us. We're adopted into God's own family. We are his children, his heirs, both here on earth and in heaven. We are united with Christ's majesty. We are all princes and princesses in God's royal kingdom. When you look in the mirror, do you realise you're the only thing in the world that has been created directly in God's image? Your humanity, your reflection, is a reflection of Jesus' humanity. Jesus feels, you feel. Jesus longs, you long. Jesus weeps, you weep. Jesus laughs, you laugh. You and I are his perfect creation. Maybe things are wearing out and seizing up, and um, I'm feeling it as I'm getting a bit older. But thankfully, we'll have a new body in heaven. And that'll be a glorious day. But he still loves us the same whilst we're here on earth as children of the living God in his kingdom on earth. And if we're united with Christ in his love, tenderness and compassion, Jesus will dwell in each one of us richly. God's spirit will be our comforter and our guide in this life. Jesus came to do his father's will, to give him the glory that was due his name. If we have that same focus with being united with Christ, we will know more of God's joy in our lives, in obedience to Christ and his will in our life. John 3 reminds us about Jesus. It says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus' joy was not in the things of the earth, but in the obedience to his Father's will. Which is why in verse 7 it says, Jesus was made in human likeness, humbled himself and became a servant. But humility really isn't thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. Jesus, yes, humbled himself. He humbled himself to his father's obedience. But he also knew his true identity. And he didn't think of himself any less. He could say with all authority, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the gate. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. Before Abraham was I am. He was humble in obedience, but wasn't afraid of his true identity. And sometimes we can think we're not much, and we forget that Christ lives in each one of us, that we're united with Christ in his glory, and we can see that glory in each of us. But it wasn't easy for Jesus to humble himself. He had the same emotions, the same struggles that we do, but he learned to listen to the Holy Spirit, to be guided by him in life. And Paul says we should be like-minded. We should have that same attitude as Christ, to live in the full knowledge of who we truly are. However, attitude is not just an attitude of the mind. 
but it's the way that we hold ourselves, the way we betray our image. My teenagers can give me uh, lots of attitude without actually saying a word. <laughs> and in Bali, there's a position called the, the attitude, something like that. I'm <laughs> not really good. <laughs> but, you know, you can look it up on the internet, but what it is, it's, it's how you hold yourself. So, um, and we're not just called to worship God with our minds, but we're called to worship and follow God with all of our hearts, our soul, our spirit, and our minds. But this series that we're in is called Think Right, Live Right. And many of the issues that we face in life are played out in our minds. We choose and make judgments all the time about people and about situations. And our attitude, our body language, our tone of voice convey so much of our true heart when we meet one another or when I look out on the, uh, those listening. But focusing on the mind for the moment, we have these two options. We have the rational mind and we have the emotional mind, the intuitive mind. We have the feeling mind and our logical mind. In other words, our heads and our hearts. And in this uh, postmodern world, they've subtly been separated. When Jesus, God's plan was that we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind and spirit. Put simply, you cannot enjoy a kiss and analyse a kiss at the same time. Many times in life I have faced this internal battle. Maybe we all want to do the right thing. We all want to do the loving thing. But our rational mind takes over. We may feel that we want to go and visit a friend or have a quiet time or be frivolously generous with what we have. But our rational mind throws up these objections in life. We can't do that. We haven't got the time to do that. I haven't got transport to go from here to there. Or maybe fear grips us. Or maybe it's too late in the evening to make that telephone call. Or perhaps we'll do it later. Or perhaps the underlying reason is that we don't see others better than ourselves. They're not worth the effort. Pride creeps in. We like to stay in our own little world. And the danger of the rational mind, the danger of thinking things through, is that we become, well, we, we practice the presence of self, where we become the centre of our attention rather than God. We can live our lives trying to get what we want from other people rather than listening to God and seeking his mind, waiting not waiting for God to move in our lives and then the lives of other people. And I guess at the root in Philippi, there was something of that going on. There was this disruption because they wanted their own needs met rather than listening and waiting upon God. So Paul reminds them and says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And that's quite hard. When we're used to becoming the centre of our own world, we think less of the people around us. When Jesus' love does not dwell richly in our hearts, our natural human fallenness will drag us down the wrong path. <clears throat> 
And it's not to say that we shouldn't look to our own needs, but we shouldn't fulfill those needs at the expense of others. However, Jesus came to earth with a different mindset. Jesus came to earth as an act of love for this world, laying down his life, dying on a cross for you and for me so that we might know his freedom, that we might be given the energy to serve as Jesus served. Jesus loved beyond the rational mind, went beyond what the world expected and laid down his life for the love for you, for me, for everyone. And if we have that same love, being of one mind, one spirit, one purpose, our attitude should be the same as Jesus, to act with reckless love and generosity. But there wasn't anything in Jesus' appearance that would attract people. So why did people come to Jesus? I think it was because Jesus' mind, his focus, his heart, was that of doing his Father's will. And his Father's will was to reflect his love to this world by sending his Son. Jesus' whole operation, his whole operandi on earth was to do his Father's will, to follow his Father's prompting for every second of every day. And Jesus provides us a way to have that same intimacy with God. Jesus wants that same intimacy that Jesus had with his own son, that we will follow and love God, that we will be led and guided by his spirit. He wants us to draw as close as we possibly can so that we may love others and be guided by his spirit. So Jesus reaches the lowest point that any person in history has ever reached, dying on a cross. But yet, there was more to come. That was the first half. The second half is who we really are. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name. And at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Jesus went to the lowest place and was raised to the highest place. And we're called to be united with Christ. And if we're united with Christ, then we're called into a royal inheritance. And maybe we need a change of mindset this morning. Maybe we need to regain our royal inheritance. For each one of us, as I look out, I don't see your Sunday best. I see you with a royal crown on your head, royal robes around your shoulders, the ring on your finger, sandals on your feet, and you'll have a feast when you get home for Sunday lunch. <laughs> when I look out, I see nobility. But when we look at ourselves in a mirror, do we see nobility? Do we like what we see? God does. In Psalm 8, it says, we are crowned with glory and honour. We've just had a royal wedding, and that was fabulous. And if we're not a member of the royal family, or if we didn't get invited, that doesn't matter. When we become Christians, 
were invited into God's royal family. And I'm th- when I was preparing, I was thinking, am I going along the right tracks? And then um, I noticed my daughter drawing this picture. It was for a project. She, uh, and for those of you who can read it, it says, Queen Anna Flore. And I think as children, they have no qualms about wishing to be princes and princesses. They have no qualms about wanting to be nobility. They have no qualms about wanting to inherit all that the earth and all that the universe has to offer them. And it should be the same with us. Perhaps we need to reclaim our nobility in Christ. Perhaps we need to realise afresh this morning that we're all royal people. And as we're buried with Christ, as Jesus was raised again to the highest place in heaven, so are we. We're buried in his death and raised with him in his life. And so what does the royal calling mean on our lives? Have we lived with the knowledge of being a royal blessing to one another? Well, a royal calling comes with wealth, materially or spiritually. God's word reminds us, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you became rich. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Together we built this church with God's blessing. Together we are God's body and we have every blessing in Christ. We are due worthy and honour from one another. We are to accept honour from one another. As you come through the entrance, it says, I welcome you, I honour you and pray every blessing of Christ upon you. An honour just literally means value you. We're valued by God and we should honour and value one another in this place. With royalty comes the charge to rule. In 2 Timothy it says, if we endure, we will reign with him. We are Christ's co-heirs, fellow workers, and we can do more than we can ever imagine because Christ is in us. We are united with Christ. We are to act with integrity as God's royal people on this earth. Mark 12, 14 says, They came to him and said, Teacher, we know you are a man of integrity. We are to act with integrity and truth in the lives that we live if we're united with Christ. We have the gift of wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 1, 30, Christ has become to us wisdom from God. As royalty, we receive wisdom. But we also receive power and authority. In 1 Corinthians it says, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. There's power in love, as we heard at the royal sermon last week. And the Great Commission reminds us that all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to us to rule and to reign in this kingdom here and now. So to summarise, yes, there are problems at Philippi, but God challenges the people today and then to be united in Christ, to have the same attitude as Christ. Showing love, tenderness, compassion, in obedience to God's will, to bring glory to God, to be guided by his spirit. And in all our mistakes, know that we are forgiven by grace. 
but we're more than just people of this earth. We are kings, princes, princesses of this earth. As Christ was raised to glory, so are we raised to glory. And we have a royal inheritance one day waiting for us when we'll have a mansion, we'll have a king, we'll have all of the things that God has planned for us. But whilst on earth we're to serve in humility, but we are to live with honour because we are God's chosen children, heirs of a kingdom, taking our royal place in the royal throne room of the kingdom of God here on earth. So as you go out into this week, remember that you're united with Christ in his humanity, but that you're also united with Christ in his majesty as we go out and live for Christ. Amen.